Hi, everybody. Welcome to Who Cares About the Rock Hall, a podcast about the rock and roll hall of fame. I'm your host, Joe Quazala. Thank you for joining us. With me, as always, <laughs> we have Kristen Studdard. That's me. My Hello. co-host. Hi, Kristen. Hi. And our guest today, a very funny writer and producer, Kroll Show, Arrested Development, Baskets, John Levenstein. Thank you for having me. John, there thank you go. for joining us. Uh, I'm curious. Well, right off the bat, the question I always like to ask is, what do you know, if anything, the about the rock and roll everyone's mind. Hall of Fame? I followed it loosely over the years. So I just uh-huh. know that they have the inductions right. and that it seems heavily, or at least at first, 60s, white, male, also British, um, mm-hmm. and that there's the ceremonies in New York. There's the museum in Cleveland that no one well, cares about. You are like crushing it so far. Uh, yeah. Rel- relatively. Knowledge and, base. Yeah. Relatively. You're in the top 5%. Oh, that's good. And then in my little bit of research I did leading up to today, trying to make a good case for the monkeys, a lot of it, these inductions over the years controlled by Jan Winner. Is Jan that how Winner. you say his name? Yep. And yeah. He, and Ooh. he might be part of what uh, the anti-monkey bias is. So I would say that oh, is... Jan Wenner is uh, less involved than he, way less involved than he used to be, and also maybe never as involved as people thought he was. He became like the scapegoat for a lot of people's problems. Like every time you hear a band that's not in, more like Jan Weiner's. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, that's a, that'd be somebody's list. I'm sure there's a list mm-hmm. out there of the Jan Weiner's. Anytime there's like a band that's not in the Hall of Fame, the go-to line is always, "Well, Jan Weiner hates us. He has a vendetta against us. He thinks he's always hated. He banned us." Jan Winter doesn't want us in here because he banned us. I mean, he famously does have some big vendettas, though, He right? has some I mean, issues, but that has not kept people out. He said he said, Kiss, Kiss will get in over, over my, my dead, dead body, body, and then they got in. So it's like, he has his opinions, but... Well, he outlasted Peter Tork, I'll tell you that. Yeah. And Peter Tork blamed him. And if you even go to The Rock's Wikipedia page, there's a whole section just about the monkeys. Yeah, the the monkeys are considered a, a the rocks the, the rock oh, halls. Hall. Oh, okay. Sorry, I was like, you go Dwayne Johnson. I, I, I abbreviate too much. I went from rock hall of fame to rock hall, and I left out hall. I just really I would love to imagine that Dwayne Johnson has, is like heavily is involved. A huge monkeys fan. He's got a whole. It's like you know resume, bio, videos, contact monkeys hall. Yeah, hall slash monkeys. Yeah, it's a uh, it, it's a weird thing though because it's. Jan Wenner like helped to create it, but he's not even in the room for the nominating committee anymore. So that's kind of what a. What is that? Did we learn that at one point, but, and I forgot? But I... you seem like someone who would believe then in imaginary walls at corporations that don't really exist. What do you mean? Like a lot of businesses pretend. Oh, editorial would never talk to advertising, for instance. Oh, so sure. So you seem to believe. Oh no, Jan created it, and he got raised a lot of money. But no, interestingly, he wasn't involved. That sounds like the, the, some, something <laughs> someone would say. Who's the guy that Jan's whispering to? Who is in the room being told what to do? Yeah. Interesting. I, mean, I feel like I, I don't. Rem- I mean, could I be so naive? <laughs> I'm saying you could be. I'm saying what you just said doesn't convince me. It it well, sounds like a, a corporate line. Didn't we? Yeah. Didn't we have someone on the show who told yeah. us that Jan is less involved? I feel like yes, that's we have. I believe he's less involved now, but that also would affirm he was more involved before. Yeah, I think. He- yeah, I suppose. Although I, we have had people on who have been on the committee who are no longer on the committee who don't feel who would have no obligation to like protect anyone or cover anything up like when we talked to greg geller in new york yeah he was like Jan winner was never really 
But do they have an interest in elevating their own status? Like, let's say I work on a show, <laughs> okay. and I had like a star or the a head intrigue. writer, and I want to look like a big shot. I'm like, oh yeah, they didn't do anything. It was all me. <laughs> yeah, right. So again, I mean, we can't I feel know. Like, I don't know though. Our people are pretty like they're they're out of the out of the game. They don't have anything to. They to, don't seem to have a stake or would be able to even make yeah. themselves seem more important. Yeah, they don't have a big thing to gain from convincing our audience that they were the one that like they were more important than Jan. I would guess not, but that's an interesting but point. But then I honestly never thought about it, and you know maybe I just see the good in people. Well, and this is just one example, and there's going to be so many of I know next to nothing, and yet I'm on here as an advocate for a group. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, right. That's that's how I it like works. This, though. Uh, but like, yeah, I mean, Bon Jovi and Kiss were two big ones that allegedly he had strong opinions against and they got in. So it's it's a thing of like maybe it could delay it. That's that's that potentially was the big correct. Thing, right. Wasn't it like Kiss? How long did it, it was like 30 years or something? No, it no? didn't even take that long for Kiss. How long did it take for Kiss? I mean, it, closer to 15, 20. Because I'd say that's another thing. Whatever negative feelings he had about the monkeys and whatever first impression the monkeys made him lasted longer. You mm-hmm. know, now it's over 50 years. Right. He had some early impression that the monkeys were bullshit that remained and it was calcified. Whereas even Kiss was much after that. Whatever his first impression of yeah. them was, he was an adult. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. Yeah, it, it's maybe a little more ingrained with those with those earlier bands like the monkeys. And also, I mean, like, because the monkeys were like 60s. Mm-hmm. And that's just such a time of like that is the the glory hole of the rock hall, <laughs> <laughs> and that's like the, the music that he likes and de- has deemed important. Yeah, and and not even just him, like the kind of Rolling Stone set, and like because the hall and the Rolling Stone are very linked. Yes, but here's where I'm I'm not sure that's true. I'm not sure what category this is going to come over. I'm I'm going to save it. I've got a really good piece of ammunition. I'm going to save. Oh, great. Yeah. Ammunition. Oh, boy. Wow. Wow. Let's get our protection on. I also, I'm impressed that you know that there's a museum and an induction ceremony. Most people are like, I know the Rock Hall is in Cleveland. Yeah. (laughs) Because I went to Cleveland one time for a wedding, and I was a block from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and people were very strongly telling me, don't go. Really? What did they say? Or people Locals and tourists alike. Just, uh. Interesting. Did you go, though? No enthusiasm. No. Oh, wow. See, we've gone yeah. and we've had a good time. I had a pretty good time. I was, um, I didn't get to spend as much time as. Uh, I really, I really soak it in. Joe, <laughs> Joe is a hall aficionado, oh and I am a hall skeptic. Dare we say? And I, yeah, it was more interesting than I thought it was going to be. But I think that like the branding of the of the actual museum, I think has, it's got it's got a ways to go. Did they, is the, uh, is it the museum or the Hall of Fame that inducts songs as opposed to groups or people? So it's the, in the past two induction ceremonies, they have been inducting singles, which is a disaster. It may be a disaster, but it's actually more representative of rock music in the 50s and early 60s than what they were doing. Because otherwise, there's yeah. no way to like, how do you honor a song like Louie Louie? You don't exactly. want to honor the group. Yeah. Well, and that was actually one of the first the singles first that was inducted. The, it's a good idea, I think. Because exactly, then they did you, a very bad job with it last year. The second year. Oh, they did. The they first really, year was pretty solid. The first solid. year was great. What was it? Because it was Born like Louie Louie, The Twist, Born to be Wild, Whiter Shade of Pale, Rumble by Link Ray. Uh 
you know, and and one there was one other one, uh, but all songs that you that would, you would think of as like iconic singles that you're not going to induct the group, not necessarily from a great artist or an artist that made more of an impact beyond that. Yes. Uh, and those were good. And then we were looking forward, I would say, to the second yeah. year just to see like what well, would they put in. We had done in. a little draft. We were like, what are the singles going to be Making this our year? predictions. You know, and Take part- On Me by AHA. <laughs> the, <laughs> the big part of it was that it's artists that aren't in the hall already. And so to acknowledge, you know, because Chubby Checker has uh, been very public about how he wants to be in the Hall of Fame. And this is a way to do that. Put in the twist. The twist. And then... Chubby this- Checker's still alive? Yeah, he is still alive. Good Uh, for him. Yeah. Good for for Chubby. Go ahead, Chubby. Go ahead, Chubby. (laughs) Um, In the second year, they inducted an Isley Brothers song. And the Isley Brothers are in the Hall of Fame. So then I was like, okay, well, what are you doing? It's it's infuriating. That's crazy. Joe was so like... I was vocally pissed off. He was vocally mad at the ceremony. ceremony. We went to the ceremony this year. And he was like yelling in our section but, he but, was like are you serious i may have yelled this is bullshit <laughs> but so you, but your role here is you don't care about the hall so you're living a life where your position is i don't care either way but i'm along for the ride yes and i'm slowly gleaning an upsetting amount of information about it you know more than most yes. people on this earth i would say it just is. by osmosis yes. and it, me forcing you to as talk much about as it. i try to forget half of what I've learned, I do recall most things about it. Mm-hmm. One thing that I feel like is a problem in the Baseball Hall of Fame is the, uh, if this person, why not that person sort of argument mm-hmm. that happens. Yes. You know, And I do think the 60s can be uh, overrepresented for that reason yes. because there were so many groups and like, if that group, why not the zombies? And if the zombies, why not this other group? And I do think one thing the monkeys have going for them is they're almost a different category from some of the other groups that are already in there. What, what do you mean? It's not as easy to make a case like they're not related in that same way. Like you wouldn't say in that same way if Jefferson Airplane, why not the monkeys? Like they were the only monkeys. They yeah. were they were an offshoot of the Beatles, but there weren't other successful offshoots of the Beatles in the same right. way. I see. So like and they're so not. I think, I think there were, they were many original. successful offshoots of the Beatles, but not in that not in the personality way like the monkeys. Though there were some musical offshoots, I think. Right. So like it, I, I see what you're saying, where there's like there's the whole British invasion category, right? Yes. That's a whole movement. That's a whole genre. Mm-hmm. And then there's a whole like kind of psychedelic, even Bay Area, you know, genre of music. And then there's, but the monkeys, the way the monkeys existed, which I would say isn't necessarily an asset, is that they were just like a television. Show. Yeah, they were they were uh, <laughs> they were a parody in a sense that then became more than that. In the yes, and e- but even the ways that they were a parody, we should get into how were they different from other groups than it uh, that are in the hall. You know, mm-hmm. so for instance, they always sang their own songs. So it's not that well, groups have to play their own instruments because there's groups that don't play instruments. You know, and mm-hmm. then the monkeys did start to do it. Like, what is the thing that makes them different? Yeah. If you like the songs, the Wrecking Crew played on their albums. The Wrecking Crew played on the Beach Boys albums. Yes. Like, what's the thing that you point to? That makes the monkeys like I think there's good ways they're a different category I'm saying because they're an original and I think it's the if this group why not that group can be a way where you get to the weakest chain at the end of a category and you have some weak people in the hall clearing out the the dregs right but I'm not doing that with the monkeys exactly I'm Mm kind of saying they're their own thing but the thing about it is is like oftentimes a band will open a tributary for other bands that they have influenced or like that are in their genre to get in. And to me, the monkeys do not open a tributary 
to I can't I mean like to- I I, see, I would argue two things. First of all, tributaries led to the monkeys. And I can talk about the different tributaries that led to them and that made the music and the overlapping other music happening at the same time. But the other things is that in a few different ways, I believe the monkeys tributary is they led directly to MTV. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to induct MTV, much to <laughs> my chagrin. But a lot of groups that are in the hall are in there because of their appearances on MTV. It's, yeah. Without MTV, they wouldn't be in the hall. It's true. And it's you can't uh, deny the uh, influence and power that MTV had over the music industry. I guess to me, I'm like, what do the monkeys open a tributary to? Like the Brady Bunch. Like, you know... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and this might be narrow-minded of me, and it probably is. Uh, and I suppose we will get to, like, going through their categories and all of that soon. But, I mean, I, I guess I just am thinking about, like, you know, there's often this, like, argument that we'll make. The, the If this, not why not them? But, like, we were talking about it in hip-hop recently, you know, like, the fact that Tupac is in, but LL Cool J is not in. And there would be no, like, the rap music that we know that, like, Tupac was able to make would not have existed without LL Cool J breaking through. And... For me, I'm like, there's nobody that we would think like deserves to be in that we can reverse engineer to the monkeys. Like if the monkeys hadn't broken through, this band would not be. I see what you're saying. It's almost in the argument I've heard sometimes is like if you remove an artist or group from history, will it change the course? Yeah. Oh, that's an interesting thing. Or in a significant way. That's a new thought, Joe. You've never said that on the show. But but I think (laughs) having no MTV would change the course. Right. So yes, you're saying removing the monkeys. giving MTV to the monkeys. But here's why. Okay, two reasons. So it wasn't just that the monkeys, their shows were basically, it was an offshoot of the Beatles, but it ended up being a bunch of music videos. Like every show had one. Mm -hmm. And there is a reason that when the monkeys were revived in 1986 on MTV, they were a huge hit. The other thing that happened was after the monkeys, Nesmith was experimenting with video. Mm -hmm. Nesmith made a show called Nickelodeon called Pop Clips that he sold to Time Warner and that became MTV. So it's not even indirect that Nesmith started MTV. He created MTV and sold it to Time Warner. At the same time, he was making the comedy and video music video Elephant Parts, which won the first Grammy Award for videos. So Ness, he was the first person, I believe, in the music video Hall of Fame. Nesmith created MTV. So like Nesmith on his own isn't going to be in the hall. But in a few other ways, also, Nesmith was very influential. Mm-hmm. I agree. But to me, I'm like, we're also not going to put MTV in the hall. So like, But they're like, not. They couldn't be, though. That would be like putting a... Right, right, but but I just mean like right. it's like we're not going to put guitars mean. in the in the hall. Well, you, either, you're you're like kind of saying the like concept of yeah. No, well, you're saying what would be different. So what's a group, for instance, Madonna? Wouldn't Madonna's career be different without MTV? Absolutely, but I do not. I guess I don't. I think that we would still get MTV without the monkeys, even though like I think that music videos were coming. They were coming from all sides. They were coming from the art school kids making music videos. They were coming from uh, like, I just think it was only a matter of time, whether it was the monkeys or not the monkeys. I think we would have gotten MTV because the people I want it. But there's all sorts of people in the hall who did something where if they hadn't, someone else might have. But in this case, Nesmith did. Now, the other thing about the monkeys that's odd, and I think it goes to that we have a tendency to reward people that we consider to be geniuses mm-hmm. and to punish the faces that they use to do their art. And they're considered to be less than the genius. So, for instance, 
Nancy Sinatra will never be in the hall. But like Phil Spector could use her, like Lee Hazelwood could use her, whatever his name was. Uh, in the case of the monkeys, why is Don Kirshner in the Hall of Fame? Right. Like so, it's not. Is he the so one we're who not created the monkeys. Mm-hmm. So and and then he did worse things. So it's like after the monkeys, <laughs> after the monkeys, he did the Archies. Right. Like you have six of the monkeys songwriters. Honey, honey, though. Six of the monkeys songwriters, <laughs> at least, I would say, are in the hall. Oh, uh, um, you've got I mean, Neil like, Diamond, and Carol, Carol King, King, and Jerry um, Goffin. Yeah, I'll bet you could name at least six. And Neil uh, well, then to me, I'm like, then you put Nesmith in in the musical excellence category like if you want like for like his innovation for creating mtv or whatever but that's one thread but now i'm into the monkeys music i'm saying all the people who are making the music have gotten a lot of credit for that music except the monkeys which becomes interesting in of itself so it's not in a way the music we're saying doesn't qualify because those people have been richly rewarded including in the hall was this kirshner guy so we've watched the induction ceremony where kirshner was he the one whose sister didn't get put into no that was that was jim stewart yeah Uh, so Kirshner is the one who created the monkeys. He also had that show. Uh, was it Midnight Special or was it was something like that? I apologize if people will jump down my throat and give us a bad review on iTunes. <laughs> Don't give us a bad review. Uh, give us a good review. He would review. introduce acts and like on SNL in the beginning, I think Paul Schaefer was the one who would do an imitation of Don Kirshner. Yeah. So like they, they, they after he passed, he got in. What in the musical excellence category? In the non-performer, the non-performer category. category. And you have to remember that the these side categories are not ones that they go to very often. So, like to to they would never throw Mike Nesmith in there when like you know Brian Eno is in yeah. <laughs> in and, and that's the category he belongs. You know what I mean? Yes, they, I guess I I guess I'm just thinking of it like. Uh, I understand the argument that like all the people around the monkeys are getting. Credit, but they're not getting only credit for the monkeys. I guess to me, I'm, that's, that's why I'm asking that's the Don Kirshner. Yes, Kirshner has a like, long. Was there other yeah. like? And you said worse things, but were there other like you know pivotal things, or was like the monkeys his main? Yes, no, jam? he had a music. He had a publishing label before the monkeys, and like song, he had songwriters working under him that were influential. Once he had a record label, I recall it was kind of shitty, but maybe it wasn't all shitty. And and his connection to the Brill Building. I think oh, he's so part like those of the songwriters, like, like that's why there are Carol King, Carol King, Jerry Goffin songs that yeah. the Monkees did. I mean, like there's there's a connection there, and the song was the honestly seeing beautiful the musical has okay. really helped my it has helped go. my knowledge. You go back to that well so <laughs> well, often I it do, makes well, me I wonder just, every time it's, if it's because the only it's literally the only thing I know. Like the reason I know about that at all is because of the first act of that. And musical. then Don Kirshner's rock concert was the was the program. It wasn't the, who, the specials. That's, that's really funny that it was called Don Kirshner's Rock Program. Concert. Oh, gosh. <laughs> rock Program would be <laughs> it funny. It was called Rock Program. <laughs> but, you know, he he, and he was a producer. He did, he did a lot of stuff, so I get it. But it is interesting, and it almost feels like putting Kirshner in there, they would do and are doing instead of the monkeys, right? Because the, to them, it's like, oh, he's the shadowy music genius behind it all pulling the strings but i guess i feel like to me he's not being inducted only because of the monkeys Correct, he's being right. inducted for like a breadth of a career a career but there's a but there, there's a way of dismissing the popular thing so for instance uh bert schneider and bob rafelson who started the movies uh, who mm-hmm. started the monkeys the and then show, they were yeah. known for making big movies in the 70s that were supposedly great right, right. five easy pieces with jack nicholson um so that was that that company What's five easy pieces about it's 
To me, it was a terrible movie about this rebellious guy played by Jack Nicholson, because what I was going to say is that the popular wisdom in the 70s was, oh, they did this piece of schlock, the monkeys, so they could get the money to do these great movies in the 70s. Right. And these great movies were unwatchable. And I love 70s <laughs> movies. I just think Bob Rafelson's and Bert Schneider's were terrible. Like, try to mm-hmm. watch The King of Marvin's Garden sometimes and not want to blow your brains no, out. No, thanks. Whereas the monkeys are watchable. And so I think in a lot of cases, mm-hmm. like this other better work that people would go on to do, it wasn't always better. And, like, as far as popularity goes, is there a more, at least from the 60s period, mm-hmm. which I'm isolating right now, although I understand they've been unfairly rewarded. I would kick some of those groups out. But is, Ooh, there, a bigger selling out? Band, is there a bigger selling band from the 60s than the Monkees that isn't in? Oh, that isn't in? Yeah. Oh. Like, uh, they had 10 million copies per record, like, per no, album. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't think off the top of my head. Also, who would you kick out of the Rock Hall? I don't remember who's in. Okay. So you're going to come up against the oh, limits no. of my knowledge so far. I'm just curious. So well, we we can like... talk about 60s groups that are oh, in. Harry Nielsen, another guy who wrote Monkey Songs. Yeah, but he's, he's not, not in. in. Oh, he should be, maybe. He should be. Yeah, yeah for sure. Oh, a couple other fun Monkeys facts. I believe <laughs> they were, I believe they were the first to use Moog synthesizers in their songs. They were among the first, yeah. Um, they were one of the first to introduce Hendrix to the world because they had Hendrix open for them on their first tour in mm-hmm. 67. That's Although kind you, of a wild. Y- yeah. That it is. You, you wonder how much credit you give to them, though. It was, no, that. it was totally them. It was their was choice. Yeah. Okay. All right. How do you know it was their choice? Read up on it. And they were, fr- <laughs> and they were friends with the Beatles. Oh, and by the way, That's I true. did. Nesmith was... They were friends? Well, uh, Mickey Dolenz uh, was one of the Hollywood vampires that we've talked about before. The Hollywood vampires. With That's John, right. Lennon John Lennon and Keith Harry Moon Nelson. and was Harry Nelson. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I remember that. They were bad boys. Yeah. And now there's the new Hollywood vampires? Which is a band with Johnny it's, Depp and oh, Alice okay. Cooper. <laughs> God. Yeah. Oh, they were called the Hollywood vampires. That's right. They were up all night being bad boys. Yeah, during Lennon's you know, lost weekend. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So anyway, I didn't mean to cut you off, but anytime we can talk about the Hollywood, Hollywood vampires, vampires. <laughs> I make sure to jump on that. And they would always get in it's trouble like for things like, like they would just go to anything. It's like for heckling a Smothers Brothers show, right? Like they would get kicked out of all the clubs. Yeah. I mean, they they were true. I mean, we did a Duran Duran episode, but these were the true wild boys. Were they wild boys? <laughs> yeah. There was the also, monkeys? there was a big That's thing in early 70s Los Angeles because, I mean, I was talking to Joe about this, but my first jobs out of college were working for Nesmith, which is why I have kind of a vested ah, interest for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I start. Aha. This is your lip sync battle. Um, I see. I see. So, uh, and I, I worked for him starting starting like in '82, and I met all of his like music cronies. Yeah. So uh, could, I would love to know yeah. what that was. What was the job? What was the experience? Oh, okay. I'll get to them one second. But before okay, sure. I forget, but anyway, so when you would meet these music guys from the early '70s, there was a lot of crossover between music and comedy, and the comedy tended to be terrible. So, like, one <laughs> yeah. of the comedy writers I was writing with in the early 80s was this guy named Bill Martin, who later created Harry and the Henderson. And the 60s, he'd been part of Linda Ronstadt's group, The Stone Ponies. Mm-hmm. But, like, in the early 70s... As a musician, not yeah, a comedy as a writer. But he in wasn't the, doing... He wasn't writing no. bits for Linda. But, like, in the early 70s, although Nesmith, again, Nesmith wrote the song Different Drum, um... In the early 70s, Harry Nielsen paid for some comedy album that Bill recorded that was like, again, it's unlistenable. And all the comedy these guys were <laughs> doing in the early 70s, either with their funny friends or the Beatles were like, I'll be funny or like John Lennon's hang out with funny people. It was all like psychedelic and not funny at all. And Good just job. like lots of rants, hoping they're going to go somewhere like musician humor. Yeah, and, exactly. And so Nesmith <laughs> was always at that cross-section between like musicians and funny people and it was very hard as like 
a young adult starting out in comedy to be around all these people who were sort of funny. But oh with very God. high spirits around it, yes. like that kind of musician humor that's hard yes. to be around. With confidence. But with raucous with laughter. With confidence, and everybody in the room is laughing at them, and you're like, there is, there's no way that this is actually fun. I think about this all the time, because I have a big vendetta against skits on rap albums. I truly hate it. Mm-hmm. I truly hate yeah. them, um, because they're not funny almost ever, ever, ever. And no one will tell them no. And no one will tell them no, and Kanye is like, Jamie Foxx, get on here. We're going to prank call someone and call her a bitch. <laughs> Like, it is horrible. I fucking hate that kind of stuff. And it makes you wonder that, like, if skits had been around, if, like, people had been, if, like, were, were, rock, me- were rock musicians putting, like, little skits on their no. no, because an album was, like, precious. The, the yes. time on no, it was they precious. No, they put little skits sometimes. Like, the Beatles would do their separate little, like, albums for the fans, right? And then, but even, like, you think of, like, Simon and Garfunkel doing voices of old people on what? their album. Yeah, there's a whole cut on the album bookends that's, just old people talking. So that is a skit. I hate. It's this. a not funny I'm skit. So it's a mad. not. It's a skit. So it's a skit up. without a laugh in it. I hate it so much. I truly. It's like and, it's so funny because it is. It's like all comedians want to be rock stars and all rock stars want to be comedians. It is why Donald Glover is so infuriating to me because he actually can do both. Uh, but like. Yeah. So so that's where it was like that was basically my twenties, like working through the nineteen eighties. I graduated college in eighty one. My writing partner got a letter with our material to Nesmith like in 1982 because his father was a lawyer who like knew another lawyer who worked with Nesmith but was kind of indirect. It was like music lawyers who knew each other. But in the meantime, Nesmith had started to do comedy because he'd released this thing, Elephant Parts. But like comedy people didn't know how to get him their material yet. So I I don't feel like we were in a big pile of material he read or anything. Mm -hmm. But he had access. Yeah. He, Wait. He, yeah. So how, how did he get? He it was passed on by a music lawyer. Passed by my your... friend, my writing partner's father was a music lawyer, but he was like an old timey music lawyer. So he was like, let's say, music publishing like from Mozart. the thirties and forties. <laughs> but then he knew <laughs> he another. Yeah. So he handled Mozart. All public. State. All yeah. public domain. <laughs> Beethoven. <laughs> but then he knew another lawyer who was working with one of Nesmith's lawyers on someone else. So it was really. And indirect. you were like, can, what did you send him? So my writing partner mm-hmm. sent him sketches that we'd written together when we were in college when we put on shows. Then after graduation, we'd put on a show out here. And so we were doing sketch comedy Great. in Los Angeles with a troupe. And you sent him like a packet? We sent him a packet of material that he actually read. <laughs> that's wow. crazy. And yeah, so there's that's one reason. Also, it's crazy to me that sketch comedy has had such a long history. It's oh, like, man. I yeah. mean, it, it makes sense, but it's just like imagining what, imagining like an actual packet of, you know, like papers typewritten being delivered to a it person. It's mm-hmm. like amazing. <laughs> and so he hired us. And there weren't. So he hired us to write some sketches for him. And then that became you a were TV Mike show. Mike Nesmith's comedy writer. <laughs> like his. Well, yes. Was it for like specials on TV? Well, it was. Or? He was paying for stuff with his own money. And then NBC paid us to do a show called Television Parts, which was short films with stand up comics. And so at that point, I wasn't just writing for Nesmith, but I was writing for all the stand up comics uh, who we would get for the show. And so it was like 1984, but it was maybe. Jerry Seinfeld, Gary Shandling, Elaine Whoopi Boozler? Goldberg, not Elaine Boozler. <laughs> She's not just trying to think of who's special. That w- I mean, that would make sense. Yeah. But and uh, Bob Goldthwait, when he was like twenty-two, did yeah. that show maybe. So like, I met a lot of people who I still know doing doing that show back then. And so then I got a chance to write for other people, but it was still uh, filtered through Nesmith's sensibility, which was like 
a little folksier than mine. His sense of humor was softer than mine. So, like, I my experience all this time was I would write things that I would think were really funny, that I would feel them getting fucked up in various ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was always angry at Nesmith, and he didn't really understand it because as far as he was concerned, he was just this guy giving me opportunities, and I was angry all the time. <laughs> but, like, I wasn't really ever made to have a boss, and I was, it was always really important to me when things were not turning out funny that I shot, thought yeah. should be funny, and I never had a way to pretend I thought things were working out okay when I thought they were a disaster. And so for him, it was sometimes a drag to have this kid around who was like hating what he was doing. Who's over here keeping it 100, not trying to, (laughs) not trying to, you know, placate the man. But but at the same time. No unearned laughs. No, exactly. But at the same time, we were were doing some funny stuff. Like, because the other writer was Jack Handy and it was like a hit or miss show because it was all filtered through Nesmith's sensibilities. But we would do some funny stuff that would work its way through the system. But then off and on, and I also wrote a movie for him, but after working for Nesmith. You wrote a movie for him? What was it about? That never got made. It was based on his idea. It was called Video Ranch. It was like a sort of. (laughs) These are all like farms and ranches or whatever. It was like TV farm, elephant farm, video ranch. animals video, put them together. Yeah, so always, I would always be like trying to bring a somewhat sharp sensibility to it. Ever, like Texas <laughs> softness that Nesmith was bringing to it at the mm-hmm. at the same time. But anyway, off and on, I worked for him through my 20s. And then at some point towards the end of that period, I told him to go fuck himself in an editing room. And I like it was the first big business conflict I'd ever had, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Maybe the second. But it's the first one that like really exploded. I, I just had it, right? But I didn't really know how to handle a situation like that. And I stayed in the room. And so I have a memory of like, it's, an, it's online post-production in the 80s. There's like 15 people in the room. It's like a big okay. deal. You're not just doing it on your computer, right? You've got to right. go to some place. They're giving you cookies. Now we're doing the final cut of something. <laughs> Nesmith's being an asshole. I tell him to go fuck himself. But then I just sort of sit there for the next 20 minutes of the edit as, instead of leaving the room. Yes. That's wild. Yeah. I just go didn't fuck ha- yourself as an exit line. No, I didn't have the <laughs> instinct. And then so I mm-hmm. sat there and I left. But like ultimately, so we had a falling out and I would say... I maybe didn't talk to him for 10 or 15 years. Wow. Like, well past... I wasn't angry at him anymore. It's just like sometimes you're not friends with someone you've had falling out and there's no reason to get back in touch, I mm-hmm. would say. Yeah. But maybe like 10 yeah, years... 10 years later, you needed something from the old Nets. Here's the, no, I didn't need something. Better yet, I contacted him when the old man needed something from me. No, neither yes. is it. What happened was I woke up one morning about 10 years ago. I don't remember exactly when just laughing to myself about what a pain in the ass it must have been to have me as an employee in my 20s. And so, perspective now. Yes. And so I didn't think that in any of the specifics I was wrong. I'm sure I was still right about like what was funny and what wasn't funny and what the cut should have been or whatever. But I was just laughing at like his experience of mm-hmm. the situation, like given his knowledge at the time. Yeah, and he so, gave you a break and then you were <laughs> yeah. a little shit. <laughs> yeah. And, and so like, like I, this isn't exactly how I want it. Yeah. I should have all the power. Yeah. I'm the funny one. So, like, so oh, I wrote Jesus. So I wrote him a funny note and like my version of an apology, which was pretty apologetic by my standards, because like at that point, I really did feel it. Like I hadn't went. Also, I hadn't wanted to get back in touch with a false apology at any point along the way. See, but I was feeling like now I have 100. an angle. Hundred. Yeah. it real. And so we've been back we've been back in touch since then. I'd say we have a gr- we have a great relationship now. One of the themes is which all through my youth when I was writing for him, like. I was always smoking pot and he was never doing any drugs at all, although he would have stories of his younger druggy days, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Suddenly now in his 70s, he's not only rediscovered pot, but he's strongly encouraging me to hallucinate for the first time. 
And I've tried it. Um, I told him I've tried it a couple times, but I'm a little tentative, and like, so I haven't really mm-hmm. felt anything. Was he talking about acid specifically? He's talking, or a- like- he would be thrilled mushrooms. if I did acid, but he'd be fine if I did mushrooms. Okay. And here's his position now. He wants me to come back to uh, the Carmel Valley where he lives so that we can do what he calls a hero's dose. He says the problem is that, that I've never is that terrifying. I've never done. <laughs> I would a, never want to do a hero's dose. I've <laughs> never done a hero's dose, is nope. what he says. And he said you've just got to do that one time to change your perspective. Wow, nope. hard pass. I will stay. Un- uh, oh, I'm I'm considering it. <laughs> I, okay, so this this is a, a standing offer. It's a recent offer. Okay, so this yeah, this is potentially in the works. You could make this happen if they get in the hall. We all go do a hero's dose. <laughs> a hero's <laughs> <Yeah>. dose. <laughs> Good God. Wow. Uh, at, at Nesmith, at Mike Nesmith's house in the Carmel, Carmel Valley. Valley. That's well, I'm glad that your relationship has been uh, salvaged. Salvaged to the point of a, a hero's dose. That <laughs> might be better than it was before. Oh, it absolutely is. Yeah. If we named our if we named our episodes not, you know, your name and the, and the artist you're talking about would be a hero's it would dose. be called a hero's dose. No doubt. It's a great name. Good lord. So it's a hero's dose of uh what? Mushrooms. Okay, so it's just okay. mushrooms. Okay, just it, it mushrooms. doesn't. Well, because I mean, it's a hero's dose. I don't know if the, if it's yeah. A I stew. mean, that sounds like ayahuasca. Or yeah, something, I, that's initially know? what I thought. Uh, that's your Nesmith. I don't think he's done ayahuasca, but he talks a lot about. He watches YouTube videos of people talking about ayahuasca. Oh my gosh! I like what that his is life such has become. An amazing thing. <laughs> and I think the reason I told him I wouldn't do ayahuasca, which I think he agreed with, is you've got to buy into someone's system. You know what I mean? It's like the house and the desert, and you do it this person's way. In like a tent. I, yeah, yeah. You I don't have like doing. Yeah, I don't like doing things I people's way. I just don't like puking. I'm like not no, going to go somewhere that I know I'm going to puke. It's going to make you violently ill. Yeah. <laughs> to yeah. get to get there, you have to go through a violent illness. Right. No. What's What's the exchange? Yeah. yeah. For mi- for minutes of uh, enlightenment. Of enlightenment. Yeah, I, I don't know. And also, no one that I know who's done it is truly better. <laughs> They came back. You haven't act- noticed anything. They came back acting like they were like, "Oh yeah, I had this really interesting breakthrough, or I know this new thing about myself." And yet, and you're like, they nah. ain't changed a damn no. thing about themselves. I compare that to what I was saying before, which is that no one who has seasonal affect disorder only has seasonal affect disorder. Yeah, there's something else going on. There. Yeah, there's always you know? something lurking <laughs> beneath the surface. Uh, John, the uh, Hall of Fame is, we, I mean, we've kind of talked about it, frustrating because we don't know why necessarily someone gets in. Uh, there's no criteria, but I've come up with a criteria in an, in an attempt to be objective uh, that if, the, if the, a group does well with these criteria, I think you have a uh, good shot at induction. So we're going to take a break when we come back. We're going to see how the monkeys stack up. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. I hope your break was nice. I hope over your break... That you uh, took a step to truly change and not just... Uh, artificially. Artificially tell people that you just made a discovery. Right, yeah. Look within yourself. Uh, drugs may be the answer, but that's not going to be the only thing. Truly, just like seasonal affective disorder. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go through these categories. Let's see how the monkeys do. Uh, see if, if perhaps... After all this time, they do have a, a good case for induction. We'll uh, find out. Yeah. I mean, this is definitive, as we know. <laughs> um, the first category is critical acclaim. I don't think this is a category that the monkeys <laughs> do very uh, well in. Although, I, you know, I don't... 
I feel like it's a there's been a begrudging critical respect, and I think over time, it's it has softened a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it probably was one of those ones where I mean, because the they were a TV show and a com a, com, a silly TV show, not mm-hmm. just a TV show, but a silly one. Like, I think that that just it made it very hard for people to take them seriously. Also, and we should acknowledge just the the prevailing sentiment among a lot of people about the monkeys and the thing that was, you know, that the press in particular really latched onto is that they didn't play their own instruments. That was the big thing about the monkeys. Right, but that was only at first. And again, right. that was true of a lot of groups. Mm-hmm. And I think the difference with the monkeys is that some people thought at first that they played their own instruments. Right. and They and, were very good actors. But, yeah. But, no, but here's yeah. the other thing I'd say, is that the show was silly, but you know it would be more silly to me? If they'd done a serious show, like what is oh, a serious totally. show from a I rock just, and roll group mm-hmm. in the 60s? You know? is, yeah. There isn't one, but I just think anytime you get introduced to the world in this way, it's like critics aren't going to be clamoring to... It, it like I especially in the 60s nowadays there's a little more room for critics to be like hey this thing that you don't think is very uh you know respectable actually a- actually <laughs> uh actually Carly Rae Jepsen is a genius oh like that's like a, a popular but, take right now you know what I mean yeah but here's what, like but like the monkeys even in their own time okay like didn't they win the Emmy for Best Comedy their first year they out? Did. And like yes. the Beatles loved the monkeys. Like it mm-hmm. wasn't universal that people weren't liking the monkeys' music. Again, it had oh, a people real. People liked them, but it I had just a mean commonality. Critics. I just mean for like the music critics of the time, the '60s. You've got all of this music that is taking itself incredibly seriously. Mm-hmm. You've got rock and roll as counterculture, and then you have this incredibly popular, silly TV show full of, you know. Well, I get, I get the TV show, but going back to but going back to the music for a second, like keep in mind that like it was the Wrecking Crew playing with them. Mm-hmm. Like the Monkees were vocalists, but all groups had their own vocalists. It was the exact same Southern California sound, uh, sound as all the others, with the same songwriters, the best songwriters in town. Mm-hmm. So the same critics, as far as music goes, actually did sort of like that music because I feel like it was part of that. Yes, same but thing. they were damned by the medium. I suppose. I mean, the the Monkees were a great TV show. You know, and the I think the Beatles liked them because they were like the Marx Brothers, you know, uh, and I think any any of the acclaim came from their ability almost as actors in uh, comic actors. Uh, what's the thing about the the music is that and we can kind of get into I mean, the next category is classic albums. And I wouldn't I don't consider the monkeys an albums band. And that's, you know, of right. that. Did they uh, put out albums? Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. They did, but that they're not in, in the sense of like season one. What season? Season one. one season two. <laughs> Their first two albums were the ones where they didn't play the instruments, and mm-hmm. it was after that that uh, they took back control of their own music. And then they were playing the instruments, and they may have perceived them a little more as albums after that. But it really was always, as far as I could tell, collections of songs. Yes. How right. many albums did they have? They probably had four uh, or so before they broke up. You know, there's like, I think the first one's called The Monkees. The one after that's called More hey, The Monkees. Hey, oh. Then there's like Headquarters. There's headquarters, then Pisces, Pisces Aquarius, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones. And then... Why? What is that a reference? <laughs> Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones. Is that a reference or is that just I'm some sure. 60s psychedelic? We're sure it was, but we don't know. Yeah, um, you had to be there. <laughs> oh, I bet it's like each of their signs and then like Davy Jones is it's like... It's just Jones. It's just Jones. Yeah, it is. That's exactly I'm sure it. that's what Peter that Torque's is. Peter Torque's Aquarius, Dolan's Pisces. And because at first, uh, 
at first, especially when Don Kirshen was controlling the music. So the albums would have Neil Diamond songs and Boyce and Hart, but like Nesmith may have been limited to writing a song or two per album at first, and he would write their country songs. Mm-hmm. But because the Monkees couldn't really do all of his country songs, he was a very successful country songwriter at the same time. So not just different drum for Linda Ronstadt, but the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band was recording him. Earl Scruggs was recording, recording him. So he was having like a parallel musical success. Mm-hmm. And then he was also recording with the Nashville Cats, the same people uh, Dylan did Nashville Skyline with. And Nesmith's early 70s country music, I would argue, was very good. Yeah, and his uh, his work just was at odds with what the monkeys the had to be. Yeah, because he can put like one or two of those kind of twangy songs on there, but they you can't populate a whole right. monkeys album because they have to be bubblegum. Like, different drum right. is such a bop. Yeah, <laughs> different drums great. There's a, I found a clip where he sings it very quickly on a monkeys episode. Like it's part of a yeah. gag, but they've also he, it's part of a gag. It is. I mean, I mean, he did what a, is the gag? The oh, gag God. is like they, they they like drag him out. They're like sing a song, and then he just sings. He's like very nervous, and he sings different drum like really quickly oh, okay. on an acoustic guitar, and then they push him away. He has a gorgeous version of that song too. They were also pretty widely sampled. Like his song "Mary Mary" was sampled by Run DMC. He has mm-hmm. like there's a lot of monkeys music that emerged in the culture too. Yeah, it's true. Uh, the there's. There was definitely an impact. It was a popular show, you know. Uh, like, okay, How but critically, long was we'll it say on no. For? The the show the was show. on for a, a, maybe three seasons at most. Yeah, yeah, mid, somewhere around there. So definitely How, two. But this was back in like twenty six episode seasons. Yeah, it must have been. I think so. I, I, you know, I didn't come prepared with the number of episodes. Yeah, come on. TV. What were their ratings? What were the Nielsen numbers? Yeah, how, how many criteria do you have though? There, um, five, I think. No, it's yeah, like seven or something. Oh. So anyway, they don't. <laughs> no classic albums. Not a ton of critical acclaim. It's not looking so hot let's, for the monkeys Let's talk right about uh, recognizable songs or iconic songs. Here we go. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys. <laughs> I, I don't know if you put a TV theme song in. I mean, that's... I think you have to. know it. People know it. That is their most recognizable know, song. But the theme from, from the monkeys. I don't think it is. I think I'm a Believer is their most recognizable I song. I think so, too. They have four Smash super recognizable from songs. From Shrek. Yeah, so let, let's talk about... Because they do, and I, this is, to their credit, they have songs that not only were huge at the time but people still know right so sure you can throw in the monkeys theme song i'm telling you uh that's not a song that you hear maybe on the radio no, but one not. you do hear on but the radio it's... and in and in movies and tv is i'm a believer then i saw her face now i'm a That could be a single. Am I in wrong? In that category? And it's in the hall, you mean? Yeah, like in the singles well, category? Well, here's the deal. Because I don't... To diminish them to just one single, I think, would be to do a disservice to do how many... Do you think it's... But I guess I'm just asking... Well, let's go through the okay. more. So I think Last more. Train to Clarksville is That was also, their biggest... Huh? Last Train to Clarksville was their biggest hit, I would say. Don't be slow. I'm a no, no, 
I think that best. I'm a believer though is a more iconic or it has longer staying power. But there's there's with those two to only pick one for the singles I think would be to do a disservice. Then there's also Daydream Believer. Cheer up, sleepy what can it mean to a daydream believer and a homecoming queen? The next ones are all there's some songs that you would know if you heard them then. But they're a step down as far as being huge. It's like a Pleasant step? Valley Sunday. I'm not your stepping stone. I'm not your stepping stone. Oh, I, would put I know up that there song. Too. Like Pleasant Valley Sunday is in that category. How does Pleasant Valley Sunday Pleasant go? Valley Sunday is was a huge hit at the time, but it's you don't hear it that much anymore. How does it go? Do you, I'll, I'll play it for you. So yeah, they had they had a lot of huge hits, but I think the ones that really stick: Last Train to Clarksville, I'm a Believer, Daydream Believer, <laughs> two two. Two big believer songs, and I I would throw "I'm Not Your Stepping Stone" in there because I feel like that's that's I still, very, I still yeah hear I still it. remember that just song. to think about like what was considered to be a twist in music back then. So like when "Last Train to Clarksville" came out, here was the twist: the Beatles in their songs would sing "Yeah Yeah Yeah," so the Monkees sang "No No No", no, no, no. in that no, song. No. Like that was considered a twist. Yeah, no, no, I mean, no. it it rocked the world. <laughs> uh, a note about Mary Mary. Not, uh, not, they were not the first to sing that song. Paul Butterfield Blues Band. No, 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 no. Nesmith wrote it for them. He wrote it for them? Yeah, look it up. Paul Butterfield Blues Or they recorded it, but Nesmith wrote it. They recorded it first. Yes, but again, that's what I mean when I say Nesmith had an active songwriting career during the Monkees. Because I was trying to look it up, and apparently on the Paul Butterfield Blues album, East West... There's no credit of who wrote it. And then on the monkeys, it is credited to Nesmith. And I wasn't sure if that was trickery or if that was. No, it may have been, it may have been a contractual thing. He wasn't allowed or something. How does Mary Mary yeah. go? Mary Mary, where are you going to? I do know this one. But I, I mean, I don't think I've ever heard it other than in the Run DMC song. Mary Mary, why you bugging? So, yeah, they have a handful. And I guess to and me, some of them I'm are like, really popular. I would rather see I'm a believer get. I, I guess what I'm saying is like if it's a choice between the monkeys don't get in or I'm a believer gets inducted in the singles category. What do you choose? I see. I think Last Train to Clarksville is a better song and a better single. That's not to me. That's not a single like to me. Singles are like iconic. They're often covered. They mm-hmm. are more lasting yeah. I don't feel like last I feel like last turns of Clarksville is a better song than I'm a believer but I I believe that um well, I'm a I believe that I'm a believer <laughs> is a better single yeah I know okay I know what you mean like uh, I think song versus uh, the idea of a single is to me I mean I'm a believer it's incredible to see you caring like this though it is outrageous mm-hmm. I hate it talking about side categories what the well, hell I guess I'm just asking like because I don't think that the the this the case for the monkeys is not looking good and so I'm like, far yeah to me I'm like the be- the the best you could hope for is this singles induction and I think that I'm a believer could do it yeah well you know it also begs the question like what do you do 
it when someone is in between uh in induction worthy or singles worthy yeah like they don't just have one song well, but they're also, also... That they have one member in this case nesmith who's made other contributions but also won't be inducted and it's yeah because also if you're See? inducting the monkeys you're not inducting what mike nesmith did outside of the group technically right you but can if you induct i'm a believer you're inducting him as a songwriter no, well, no. he didn't write it Damn that's it. Who uh, wrote it? neil diamond Damn it. Yeah. Can't you just hear Neil Diamond singing that? Absolutely. And then I saw her face. Now, now I'm, I'm a believer. believer. Wouldn't be quite as good. I think Mickey. <laughs> I think Mickey is an underrated lead singer. Oh yeah, oh, he's he, great. He's good. It was too bad they they put him back uh, on the drums. It's also funny to me that I could name all the monkeys. That like mm-hmm. you know Mickey Dolenz, Peter Tork, mm-hmm. Mike Nesmith, and Davy Jones. Yeah. Is that them? Mm-hmm. I I mean mostly because of this conversation. I I gleaned. You jog your I wouldn't memory have a little been bit. able to name them off the top of my head earlier. But when you said Jones, I immediately knew it was Davy Jones, which is a wild thing because I yeah. didn't like grow up watching the monkeys or anything uh we haven't talked about it but the uh so they were they're prefabricated they were put into these positions and many of them had musical backgrounds but it's funny that they they placed them in every wrong category like mickey dolan's didn't know how to play drums he's the best singer of them but they put (laughs) him on drums davy jones actually had studied drums Why did but they, they put him them? up front Why? and then peter torque was a a more accomplished guitar player and nesmith had actually studied on bass but then they yeah why those did they two. do that well apparently they didn't want to put davy jones on the drums because he was short and they didn't want to lose him in the back from what i understand just put the drums up higher yeah i know That's what they but it's funny do. that they they kind of uh fucked up in terms of where Wait, they put so them. Wait, so Mickey Dolenz was singing the songs, but Davy Jones of, was lip I mean, syncing them? They no, Davy sang some. But like, the, I'd say the better ones, and Dolenz probably had the best voice of all of them. Right. So Davy, like Daydream Believer was a Davy song. Okay. But I'm a believer, Lester and Clerksville, those are all See, uh, I think the reason Dolenz. they cast it the way they did is because they had in their mind that Peter was like the funny one. And it wouldn't make sense to have the funny one be the lead guitarist. Yeah, bass is a funny instrument, guys. Bass is He can play bass and be silly. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. And like this is, that opened the tributary for the Seinfeld theme song. I just (laughs) am telling you, it's like that's A to B to me. Let's give the monkeys a good category and let's talk about commercial success. Hell yeah, dude. Now, I mean, John, you made the point already. uh, Is there a group that's not in already that did better uh, sales-wise than the monkeys? It would be surprising to me. I I don't think so. I mean, those first... Okay, their first album, The Monkees, five times platinum. The second album, five times platinum. Third album, two times platinum. Fourth album, two times platinum. These all went to number one. Uh, and this is over the course of barely two years. But over the course of two years of great music. Yeah, and also, I mean, like, you have to remember, though, like, Tom Waits is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and he sold... Not as not, much. He sold less than overall, cumulatively, probably less than one of those albums. Oh like, yeah. Like, uh-huh. I mean, they they are among the top selling acts of all time. I mean, and they were they were very successful. And you know all their names. I do know all their names. You know, yeah. And and they were that's that's a good that's I think the strongest category for them is that they were so popular and they were so successful. And singular, like people know them again. It's not like one of those British groups where it's like who did it or which group was it. Mm-hmm. 
because again, like you can talk. Some people oh, say I was like, there's the monk- a group called Who Did It. Yeah. That's so weird with the Who being a group too. <laughs> Uh, but we are who did it? It's kind of at odds with the next category, though, which is longevity. But they've had longevity. Again, just the fact that TV show came back in 86 and was a huge hit. The monkeys can still tour okay, and sell I, out. My question is, it was a huge hit? On MTV. The, 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 the whole they had a generation. Now yes. it, was they had a the, it was the OG monkeys? Mm-hmm. I'm saying they showed the original shows on MTV in 86. That is probably why I know it. I probably, it was on Nick or it was on Nick at Night. Too. Yeah, that's yeah I, I remember it being on Nick at Night. Yes. But so they have staying power, but in terms of the longevity of like their peak career, it is like oh, you mean have they, as individuals, had or as a group had I longevity mean, a, since then? As yeah. a group, their heyday, you know, because there are certain groups. Like I think, obviously, the Monkees would have had a better case if they had been putting out this type of music for ten years as opposed to two. So, who's an example of like people from that period who have longevity? Uh, I mean, Dylan, the, baby. The, yeah. the big four, if you think of obviously like the Stones, you know, they were making hit records into the 80s yeah. from the 60s. Even the Kinks, same thing. They were into the 80s. They were still making The Who. Most uh, of the groups with longevity, though, they get to a point where I wish they'd stop. You know, I mean, like they went on too long, most of the groups mm-hmm. with longevity. Yeah. And the period of time I liked them was more narrow, I would say. Yeah. Right. But two years is quite a narrow yeah. margin. I would say so as well. And I think that hurts them just because I think if it had been a little bit longer, you have a better case because it was it was very popular, very intensely, think, very quickly. But it was more than two years, though. What, what was it that they so, were active? So 66 to 68 is kind of where I where I'll I call it three it. years. All right. Yeah, we'll give them three. <laughs> give them three. We'll give them three. Because, you know, what? Well, you know it was probably like a July of one year until they spilled over, I'm sure. <laughs> no. It <laughs> spilled. There was spillage. You know it. All right. Here, here's like one comparison I thought of sure. to me in, in terms of like the number of great albums sort of with lack of longevity and not quite being taken as serious as they should have been that's not in the in the hall. So like, I don't know if you've done a thing about them, but I don't know why the Go-Go's aren't in the hall. Oh, uh, I yeah. don't know either. I agree. Honey, I am we will ready talk about the for Go-Go's. the Go-Go's. And I would love that. I saw the Go-Go's at the Hollywood Bowl with my mom two years ago. They're still good. Because to me, it's not, it's like a few things. It seems like it's, anti-women it's also weirdly like southern like la punk and new wave has kind of been neglected from the late 70s and early 80s which was really influential like is there any la punk band from the late 70s early 80s that's in it's x isn't in right no mm-hmm. no there, there's definitely a bias towards the cbgb's set yeah because i feel like the the go-go's like that's one place where they have a little bit of an advantage on the monkeys is that they were considered cool. So like the Go Go's were a punk band, yeah, but then the for accessibility, have a lot of advantage they became over the a little monkeys, more. New, they this. became a little more new wave. There was, a, I mean? there was a sheen to their first album that uh, didn't have a punk sensibility, right? Yeah. And so punk people could say, "Oh, they softened it a little bit." Mm-hmm. But it wasn't a question that they were prefabricated or they weren't punk or anything like that. Right. But some of the uh, criticism in the end is a little similar to the monkey criticism that some people found it bubblegum or not as serious as other stuff, mm-hmm. or whatever. But to me. But it's the monkeys really were always bubblegum. The monkeys were never edgy in any way. Well, the, the monkeys actually sort of, the monkeys did. They broke, no, you're right. The monkeys were not, <laughs> like well, I'm saying, the, no, I'm, that, no, that's correct. I'm saying they have the advantage that they were edgy before they became the Go-Go's. The monkeys, once they started, tried to become edgy later, like yeah, with their moving head. That it just wasn't a, as good. That is know? a road that one cannot hold. Yeah, no, that never, that never works. <laughs> you cannot go back. You can't 
you can't unchew the bubble gum. Yeah, <laughs> it's already been chewed. I think that with the Go Go's, you can't and, put a razor blade. You can't hide a razor blade in the bubble gum, baby. Once try. it's already been chewed, nah. Well, I don't know what this saying is. I think but I'm. I think I'm working on it. a pretty good metaphor like, right here. So, for instance, Blondie is in, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Are they considered so much better than the Go-Go's by people? I, I like the Go-Go's better, personally. I mean, I think, again, with it kind of comes down to longevity. Because the Go-Go's yeah. had that great first album, and then it was very quickly diminishing returns. No, the second one was fantastic. And too. Vacation, Vacation, I thought was great. had a very poppy career. In the, yeah. I just think it's because the Go-Go's were kind of short-lived. And I think if they had... I mean, Blondie had more hits for a longer period of time. Well, and they were considered... I mean, we will do a Go-Go's episode, I'm sure. Uh, I think that they absolutely should be in. And um, that is no... That's no secret. And I think the Go-Go's will get in specifically because they... They wrote their own stuff, and they were the first female group that wrote their own stuff to have a number one album. There's certain like benchmarks and right. breakthroughs that they were able and to. They were accomplish. like wild as hell. Too. And they were rock and roll. Yeah, they were fucking <laughs> they rock. They were fucking rock and roll. Yeah, like as far as popular acclaim goes, their hits weren't quite as big as the Monkees, but they oh, were yeah, big for, sure. for the time. Now mm-hmm. my question yeah, the about number about the Monkees is: Were they rock and roll? Like, were they living a rock and roll lifestyle? Were they like secretly? Well, I guess were they part of? They were not the vampires. They were not. I mean, that that's post the they, their yeah. career. They were yeah. living enough of a rock and roll lifestyle. Like you couldn't but avoid it. They were it. keeping it under wraps because of the bubblegum TV show. I suppose I don't know. I think Things they, they had very then. strong personalities. I know a lot of the musicians who worked with them were like, "Whoa, all right." <laughs> fellas but like nesmith was there for the recording of sergeant pepper for instance like they got around all right mm-hmm. yeah they they were certainly their peers you know and the beatles like them I, I i we never really we really never got into the like the the kind of like primer on the monkeys we kind of really dived right in mm-hmm. but and let me say what i think and oh then sure we'll see yeah, if yeah this is at all correct uh-huh the Monkeys were formed to make a TV show. Correct. And it was to capitalize and parody. It was capitalized on and parody Beatlemania. Yes. I think that's accurate. Okay. And they were um, like kind of like America's answer to the Beatles in a like joke way. Yes. Or kind of like in a as a like. It was like American TV. Having it both ways. Like they wanted. They were trying with the music. They didn't want the music to be bad or anything. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. So but it the w- Beatles were very self-deprecating too. Now, did these people, when they found all the guys, mm-hmm. were they did they ha- did they like audition actors or were yes, they? Yes, they just were auditioning like looking- actors, but they were also kind of looking for actors with a musical background. That's why all those guys. I mean, Davy Jones had been nominated for a Tony. Uh, he was on he, Oliver, I believe. Yeah, he played the Artful Dodger. Oh. And uh, Peter Tork was like a Greenwich Village uh, folk singer. Yeah. And then you know, Nesmith was was doing his kind of country thing, and Nesmith was hosting the shows at the Troubadour too. Like there was an LA music scene in the '60s, like where the birds went electric and everything. And there was mm-hmm. a Monday night show that Nesmith was the host of. Um, Peter Tork was Stephen Stills' roommate, and they both auditioned. Yeah, oh, so that's Stephen Stills auditioned for them, and that's how Nesmith, uh, or excuse me, how Tork got there was Stills recommended him. And then uh, Mickey Dolenz was like an L.A. kid. He was the most obnoxious. Like as a kid, he would played a part called Circus Boy on a TV show. So he was a he was a kid actor. 
Circus Boy? Yeah. And he was Circus Boy. And, but you can find, like on YouTube, you can find Nesmith's audition. And mm-hmm. clearly what they liked about Nesmith was he wasn't caring or he was pretending not to care. Yeah. Yeah, that's the way it is in Hollywood, baby. <laughs> they don't want you yeah. to want it. Yeah. They want you to not care. But yeah, so they, they, they were casting actors. Interesting. And okay. ideally ones that could sing because they did have to sing on the records. Okay. But there cool. was there was no uh, pretense of you're going to play you're going this is going yeah. to be a real band. But it was like this is going to be a TV show. Yes, with cool. music that we will actually release. Right. And it was from Screen Gems because Don Kirshner, who was running Screen Gems, had come from New York, so now he had this LA thing, and that's why he was able to get the good songwriters and they got the Wrecking Crew and all those people. Right. And after working with the Monkees. And saying, like, I don't want to deal with these personalities who now they want to write their own songs and it's bullshit. I'm going, my next group is going to be cartoons and it's going to be the Archies because I know that the there will be no actors I have to deal with. And no one's going to rebel. No one, these cartoons are not going to want to write their own songs. So then I can, I can fully control this next group. And that's the Archies. And that's, they did Sugar, Honey, Honey. Sugar, yeah. Sugar, yeah. yeah. Sugar. And knock three times. Is I, that them? They knock did, three times was Tony Orlando, which Dawn. was also Don oh. Kirshner. Boy, uh, I mean, because knock three times tell. sounds a lot like <laughs> yeah, Sugar yeah. Honey, Honey. Like they they sound like they could be the same. Knock three times on the ceiling if you want. Archie's had a I'm song sure called Jingle Jangle. Which in the show Riv- in the show Riverdale they have made Jingle Jangle the hot drug. Oh God! Oh my God! That's so Riverdale. funny. Riverdale. I've I've seen and some of made, Riverdale. Like, Jughead, this like brooding fuck loner. machine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've watched a little bit of Riverdale, and they do at times uh, have a connection to the old Archie IP. And yeah, it I is mean they call jarring. him Jughead, which is yeah. Wild. All the names are the same, which is weird because some of the names are like. Hermione and Smithers and Alice Cooper, and uh-huh. they all have n- new meanings, but you know, that's part of the canon. All right, we're not talking about Riverdale. Let's uh, talk about the next category, which is innovation influence. Um, and we've already kind of talked yeah, about this. This is when I yeah. got into it with the tributary. You started talking about yeah. tributary. This is where I'm going for the Moog synthesizer. The Moog, yeah. MTV. Moog. It's Moog. Yeah, not, it how do you spell Moog. it? M O O G, but, but it's, it's pronounced Moog. God damn it. Yeah. Okay, it's pronounced no. Moog. MTV, yeah. and what else did I have? <laughs> Is that MTV, it? The Moog. MTV, Moog, uh, and I, uh, yeah, and that was those were the big ones. Those, I think you said you were going <laughs> to drop a bomb on us in this part. You were like, "I've got some." But oh no, I dropped it already. You <laughs> don't know what happened. And what, like, have they been? Were they considered to be a precursor to other synthetic bands, like bands that were created, New Kids on the Block type bands? Like a lot of bands oh, over I the years have like been synth bands, like no, synthesizer no, no. bands. <laughs> We're off of the Moog. Like bands that basically yes. were created by someone who wasn't in the band. I like think, the I think boys. like boy bands, like this, you could make an argument that the Monkees are the first boy band. You know, they were a, an yeah. assemblage of Yes, you really could. But singers. I think the, the likelihood of like New Kids on the Block or the Backstreet Boys getting into the Rock Hall is... Oh, there's no, there's is, no chance of that. No. Yeah, I guess you have to evaluate like, okay, it's, is it Is an that a influential... we want to open up? Yeah, is that important... <laughs> I mean, right. it's important in the scope of maybe entertainment. It's interesting. Like Spice Girls, would, you might put in the mm-hmm. same category. I think so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's interesting because I think the I think the monkeys are important 
for entertainment for sure. But then yeah. when it comes down to the rock and roll of it all, that's that's where I, I start I'm, to... To me, it does depend. Like It does partly depend on this issue of music videos where I'm two-pronged there with the <laughs> monkeys and Nesmith and like how much the rock... And the Rock Hall is acknowledging what a big part of music that was in the 80s, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I am an MTV stan. I talk about MTV on this show all the time. I care very deeply about music videos. I was a young child in the 80s. I remember mm-hmm. kind of like MTV being on and stuff. And I I still I still don't know that... That, that it matters because, so, because your position is that someone else would have created the same channel well, well I mean is that music t- videos existed outside of I mean this? so there were before MTV there were examples of music videos whether it was Bob Dylan with the cue cards doing subterranean right. music blues or it's you know Queen doing Bohemian Rhapsody or if it's people making music videos for like clubs like to be played at venues dance clubs i mean that's kind of what duran duran had been doing yeah. before mtv so the, it, it, there are different things coming from different angles oh yeah the duran duran yeah 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 and, and like devo were making that's what i for, was devo an and, the, and the kind of like that the art rock scene is also right. what i was kind of thinking of i just feel like that would have... And there is a great book called I Want My MTV, which is a oral history of how MTV came to be. And there is a section about how Mike Nesmith was doing this thing. He, he had the pop clips, is that what it was called? Yeah. He, and so he kind of had a proto uh, version of MTV. But at the same rate, it was kind of already happening. There were different things... And, and they talk about it. There were different channels that were all leading to the eventual thing that would be MTV. And yet, and yet, MTV Time Warner did bother to buy pop clips from Nesmith, mm-hmm. and his reason for not running it when they wanted him to was because he felt like they were going to go in a direction where they were just promoting the music, and that the music videos in themselves weren't going to be an art form. Mm-hmm. And he was much more interested in the video and music coming together. Right. The VMAs. But when it comes down to the music itself. I'm not so sure there's a ton of influence would be what I would say. Influence. Influence. Well, you know how I feel. I have made my. Here's another thing I'll say. This isn't exactly influence, but uh, it's interesting. So Mm -hmm. influence and interesting. That's another category. Again, going back to the 80s, like punk scene. So Nesmith made the movie Repo Man with his own money. Like he put he didn't direct it, but he put up the money so those guys could do it. Yeah, I didn't. That that. movie was wall to wall punk music like that movie helped keep punk Mm -hmm. music alive and spread around in the 80s. Yeah. Like Nesmith did have some interesting offshoots in his career. I mean, yeah, he's, he's an interested, interesting figure. And I mean, I would go hang out with him, and I don't think a I hero's need dose. To do a hero's dose. Do a hero's if dose. If that's the pass, like if that's the entry, the cost of entry, the price of entry, I, I cannot do. I uh, cannot do. I my- can do a coward's <laughs> dose. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Not- a, a journeyman's dose. Yeah. Uh, Mike Nesmith comes from Liquid Paper Money. His mom invented liquid oh, paper. Oh, I was like, liquid paper. What band is that? <laughs> yeah, no, it's a uh, liquid Li- paper. Money oh, sounds yeah, like, like whiteout. Yeah, his, whiteout his... was a liquid paper knockoff. Um, <laughs> he, so, so he didn't grow up with money. His mother was a. He grew up with a she, single mother who was, was a secretary. She was a secretary who invented liquid paper, basically to white out her own mistakes with a combination yeah. of like nail polish. She started a business in the garage. And then she ended up like selling it to Gillette for a fortune. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, go Mama Nesmith! <laughs> I, and I say, if you are, if you've got an Office Supplies Hall of Fame, 
you get Mama Nesmith. Oh, there, yeah. For sure. Put her in the OG first She's class. first class innovator. All right, last category, and I this, this will be a good category for the monkeys. Does my mom know who they are? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Your mom had a monkey's lunchbox. I doubt it, but... Did she? She didn't? <laughs> Probably. She, I mean... My mom might have. My mom was born in 1961, so mm-hmm. that probably would have been like right around the time to to yeah, do it maybe. for her, yeah. Um, not yeah. everyone had lunchboxes. What's up? Not everyone had lunchboxes. That's true. Oh, I mean, yeah. that's a category on its own. <laughs> I think my Did mom, they have oh, a lunchbox? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did they have a lunchbox? Yeah. yeah. Uh, who, but that, that's the thing is, and that's such a, this is such a huge category because it's like, to get in the Hall of Fame, you need to be famous. And the monkeys were certainly famous. Wonder, and people still know them. I, I'm going to ask my mom who her favorite monkey was. Because I bet she had like a favorite monkey. Because I feel like my mom's age is maybe like right on to have been really into the monkeys. I guess if she had been a little bit older, like, you know, because tweens were like loving them. Uh-huh. And she was maybe a little too young for Interesting. that. Interesting. It's time for our verdict, everybody. Hello. <laughs> Should the monkeys be in the Hall of Fame? Will they be in the Hall of Fame? And if so, when? And we'll start with Kristen. I do not think that the monkeys should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I very infrequently say no to bands, but I've been saying no more no's lately. I think we have to to be to be uh, uh, fair. I just you know based on their performance in these categories. <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> yeah, this matters. This is really important. This we, is this the matters. nominating committee listens yeah. to these podcasts to make their informed decisions. They do. They do. We have a lot of sway. Um, we're influenced. Our in, in the yeah, influence in category, category, we do well. Ten out of um, ten. I, I do not think that they should be. I also do not think that they will be. I think their best chance is. I'm a believer in the singles category. That to me is the best way they're going to get through. Um, and yeah, I don't think it, I do not see it happening because I don't think it's an important enough tributary to open. And I don't think we want to like go in the direction that it would mean for the hall. I can't see the people. I'm sorry. So protective of the hall. No, she is. I do. No, she, we must predict this house. That's a direct quote. From I guess Kristen I have more of a sense of fun. It. No, I, to me though, <laughs> like I also can't see the rock hall voters being, hyped about getting the monkeys in over who else would be on the ballot Mm -hmm. like i cannot see them being like oh gosh is it going to be craft work or the monkeys like i can't (laughs) see that that like happening for somebody um so that is why that is my opinion okay thank you Kristen. but then if it was the monkeys i could see them being happy at the induction oh yeah i think that's 100 percent. they would be suddenly everyone's having fun playing i'm a believer where'd they come from okay (laughs) john give us your verdict will they should they when Okay, first of all, yes, they should. Um, I believe they will. I believe that uh, history is on their side. The more people know, I'm going to say five years from now, and I'm also going to say while we're passing uh, judgment, it's not that I reject your categories, but to like have okay, that number of categories, have them not be weighted. Well, it's I like mean, where there's a little, like some of those some in some cases two categories could be the same category. Okay. One category could be split off into two. You may be getting a message from me with categories at some point. Okay, fair enough. Fair so enough. So I vote yes well, on the monkeys, the no on the, the categories. What would do well in what other categories would you have matter? Listenability. Listenability. <laughs> Listenability. Oh okay, my God. I mean, all right. I mean, I mean, I mean what are we doing here, folks? 
<laughs> I mean, another category. Also, that is like one of the most subje- subjective categories. Ever. Sure it is. Yeah. And, but Joe's effort to reduce it to a science, and I came all the way here for this on a hot day. <laughs> yeah, it's true. He came all the way here to have me say that the tributary would open yeah, would be, to be a attacked, bad sign. To be attacked. <laughs> and I'm not even a member of the monkeys. I say it was my first boss I had a falling out with. I know. Um, you're coming he's not going to live forever. <laughs> I guess you guys want, what, how many more monkeys have to die for you guys to say, how many why not? Have why to not die? have a little fun and sing a song everyone likes at the ceremony i don't think it's i don't hate them oh no we've got to get television in first we've got to get who else is we craft work who else are we getting in <laughs> there's a long the go-go's, list the beef I, the go-go's were the only ones i said i could see making a better case on the same territory as the monkeys my mom, i asked my mom if she had a favorite member of the monkeys and she said mickey dolan i think actually she said mikey dolan i think so she maybe my yeah. mom wasn't a huge fan no um oh, mom mikey well, you know dolan. another another category i thought about adding that we haven't added which is something i'm quoting seymour stein Whoa. on our podcast which is yon which winner's is opinion when he and he and bob merlis kind of got into it about chubby checker cuz our our friend bob oh, yeah. was like i think chubby checker should be in the hall of fame and seymour was like no and then he went do you really think chubby checker was a great artist and I, that could be a category are they a great artist are they great is the artistry great for the monkeys i'd say probably not (laughs) (laughs) here's the deal wow here's here's a question here's a category if you again Uh, here's a category (laughs) please would you if you were at the show if you were at the show would you want to see the other artists including artists you love happily get on stage with this group and so for instance picture the monkeys being inducted who young and old is getting on that stage to sing with them and having a grand time? Tom now picture York. now picture Kraftwerk. <laughs> yeah. What's happening? What's but the party? Kraftwerk What's the party one, you're imagining? Kraftwerk is one of seven. You I know, think Kraftwerk goes five. well with the hero's dose. Yeah. If but, I who, may. but who's getting up there? But who are the stars that you want to see jam with them who are loving playing their songs now? I mean, uh, I think Chris Martin would get up with Kraftwerk. We've yeah, talked about sure. this on our Kraftwerk episode. Chris Martin, <laughs> why not? I don't. Think the monkeys would be a party. The monkeys would be a party, but unfortunately, I don't think that's... Here, here's the deal. John, I think a lot of people online and in the world agree with you. They, monkeys are often cited as one of the biggest snubs. It's do, like you they, said... Do they have like an online stand base? Uh, oh, of course they On do. the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's Wikipedia, there's a section for the monkeys. In the monkeys' Wikipedia, there's a section for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> like, it is, it is a question, and it comes up a lot. There are you can find many articles where people defend the monkeys' right to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. There are quotes from the members of the monkeys about the Hall of Fame. It is something that people talk about that they think about. It's in the conversation. It's in the conversation. I don't think they should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I don't think they will be because I don't see the the people in the nominating committee ever really taking them seriously. And maybe that's not fully fair. But I just feel like there are other, so many other artists that they are going to consider before the monkeys. And if yeah. it hasn't happened yet, it's probably not going to happen because they have mostly cleared out the 60s. I yeah. could be wrong. I think they. it's a dark horse. It's a long shot. It could happen. I don't think it will. It would uh, be really, truly wild. And you know what? If it happened, I wouldn't be mad. 
I'll, mm-hmm. That's what I'll give you. I would, and I would yeah. go. That would be fun. I, I think it would be fun. It would be fun. I agree. I will give you that as well. I'm going to give to the monkeys. Also, I think someone more knowledgeable than I am could have made a better case. <laughs> you made a great no. You came I'm like, in no. With don't ha- here's what I'd say. Don't <laughs> hang whether the monkeys should be in the hall. On my case, I'm just a guy. Just a guy. <laughs> Uh, I, we, I think you made a compelling case. It was going to be hard to convince me. Yes. That's let's the, pretend they did get let, in. Let's pretend they get inducted. Uh, who inducts them? Let's, who gives the speech to induct the monkeys into the Hall of Fame? Do you think one of the Beatles would do it? I think it would be funny. I think a Beatle would. First of all, <laughs> like I think Ringo? a Beatle would happily. Ringo? I think a Beatle would happily do it. But what? I think yeah. if not one of the Beatles. Because I, mean, I think I think that Nesmith at least was closer to John. I think that's true of Mickey too. Neil Diamond would happily do it. People Neil might Diamond's, not respect, but Neil Diamond is in the hall, right? He is, yeah. Because he wrote their, a couple of their biggest hits. For sure. Um, who else could it be? I mean, do you think Carol King gives a shit? Sure. Um, she wrote some of those she's songs. She's not in. But she's not in on her own. Oh, she should be in. That's silly. I know. She's, she's in, as, in a as a songwriter, but she should be in um, as a performer. You know, they're... Uh, this... I think, you know, you know who I think would duck? Here's what I think it would be. Jack Nicholson. Because uh, you, you know? he, yes. he wrote the movie Head... He was around for the whole thing. Uh, he wrote the movie Head? He wrote the movie, Which was the Monkees yeah. movie. Oh. He was part like, of, he was, I do not yeah, know what this part, means. He was part of that Bob Rafelson crowd. I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. if it was someone like him. That would be insane and great and fitting if it was Jack Nicholson. Cause, and he also, he, he put together the soundtrack for that movie, too. Yeah. That was like his thing. And it was, you know, Monkey's songs. Uh, I All think right. Rivers Cuomo wrote uh, one of the songs in their most recent album. Uh, so did Noel Gallagher from um, Oasis. What, the Monkees have a recent album from like 2017 yeah. or something. What? Uh, yeah, it's not. Is bad. it with them? With all? Well, not no, Peter Torquay I mean, died, Dave, right? Peter was around for that album. Okay. Uh, Davy had passed, but they they did have. You look so album. serious about Davy being dead for a Davey, second, there, as he, uh, if we were his relatives that you were telling <laughs> it to. Unfortunately, uh, Davy. Uncle Davy passed. Uh, was yeah. he the hot one? He was no. the short one. He was, was kind of a. He, he kissed Marsha Brady. I felt like okay. he was the one where with him. Maybe I don't that's think. Why I, know I don't name. think the monkeys were exactly a parody of the Beatles, but I do think the way they set up Davy was as a parody of a heartthrob. So like, Paul in the Beatles was an actual heartthrob, right? Yeah. And like Davy was sort of like they knew he wasn't really, and the more girls chasing him, I feel like it must have been their private joke. And then it became then, real. Then yeah. Then it, then the joke but became around. But none of it was real. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for whatever reason, I feel like Axl Rose could do it. I don't know why I think that. Why? I think because I read something about how, like, I think it might have been Davy Jones who was like, we met these guys, Guns N' Roses, and they they were, like, big fans, and they really liked us. I don't know. That'd be weird. Yeah, it would be weird. What well, songs do they play at the uh, induction? They play, they play I'm Last, a Believer. I'm a Believer, Last Train to Clarksville. And, and then Daydream, Daydream Believer, Believer, but because that's a Davy song, they have everybody sing. It's like a big, almost like jam thing. See, to me, I think they do I'm a Believer as the jam. They get Smash Mouth out there. They get the donkey <laughs> from Shrek just wiling out, doing uh, the dab Shrek, on the get, stage. In full Broadway in, Shrek. Yeah, they uh, get the Broadway cast yeah. of Shrek to do it with, Shma- with Smash Mouth. Uh, uh, and then maybe I'm not your stepping stone because uh, they've been doing four songs at the at the ceremony. Those are, uh, That seems like the right set. For them. And they induct, it's just those, it was only ever those four guys, yeah? Mm-hmm. Never, yeah. never anybody else. Peter, Mike, Davey, and uh, Mickey. Mickey, yeah. Uh, you know, they did play in different combinations afterwards that no one liked. So, for instance, I believe in the 70s, there was a brief Dolan's Jones Boyce and Hart band. Because Boyce and Hart were some primary they wrote, songwriters. Yeah, they wrote like Last Train ones. to Clarksville. Yeah. And that was the monkeys with the Y. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it had to be had to be. A oh, that was altered. part of the parody. It's like because Beatles was B E A, so monkeys with two E's right. was like part of the parody. I yeah. get it. Wow. Well, if the monkeys get inducted, uh, are you going to go to the ceremony with us? Sure. Great. Yeah. Perfect. You should go. I mean, you go. probably could get a good seat. I would yeah, go. I take could get a hero's seat. dose. Your, your and, and, I'll take and, uh, a hero's dose. And experience. That's something. where you do the hero's dose when yes. the monkeys get inducted. We're making a pact mm-hmm. here. We're all putting our hands in the center. Okay, Our yes. hands are starting to glow. Okay, we've wow. made a pact. Okay. If the monkeys get in, we all do a hero's, hero's dose, dose oh my God. at the induction ceremony. That's a great plan. This is Perfect. when the world like starts shifting <laughs> to make that happen so that I have to do a, a large amount of psychedelics. Hell yeah. Uh, John, thank you so much for joining us. All right. Thank you. I wish <laughs> I wish it had gone differently. The <laughs> oh, my God. No. Uh, Does everyone leave feeling this way? No. no, no. Some people leave feeling like they rang that yeah. bell. They got, God. Yeah. No, you you rang the bell. I think people will enjoy this episode. Oh, yes. What an enervating afternoon. <laughs> it was wonderful. Uh, where can people find you online? Anything you want to plug? Oh, please find me on Twitter. I'm so active. <laughs> My name, and I'm plugging, when's this going to come out? This will come out on Friday. So oh, Okay, so July fifth. 16th, uh, my... Netflix comedy special that I wrote for David Harbour called Frankenstein's Monsters Monster Frankenstein. Please watch. Yeah, please. Yeah. please uh, I've seen the trailer. It looks very, very funny. David Harbour from Stranger Things, the uh, the sheriff. Oh, the sheriff. Yeah, Hopper. Yeah, I wrote a fake play for television as if his father made it in the seventies, and we made it all the way through the process and we produced it. I love it. I'm wow. still shocked. Super high concept. Looks very funny. I enjoy that. Uh, you can find us at Rock Hall Pod on Twitter, rockhallpod at gmail dot com. Uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us five stars only. And, you know, if you're a big Monkeys fan, we were even-handed. Be nice. Don't, because we said, yeah. we don't hate the Monkeys. Was anybody mad about Someone me? was mad about Duran Duran recently. Okay. And oh. they, it was weird. Uh, oh. They gave us a bad review because we weren't, like, you know, uh, In going, love with Duran Duran. Over, and I thought we were actually pretty nice I to Duran I thought we were Duran. very nice to Duran Duran. Anyway, if you're leaving a review because of this episode... Say something about liquid, Heroes Dose. Heroes you gotta dose. say Heroes Dose. Yeah, I was gonna say Liquid Paper, but Heroes Dose is uh, Liquid Paper. Either, <laughs> yeah, either I think either of those will do. Also, if you're listening to this on the day that it comes out tonight, I have a show at the Lyric Hyperion called 2020 Cents Us, and it would be cool to see you there. That's the fifth. That is July 5th at 8 p.m. Cool. Thank it you. It is a social experiment for the logo, Mike Lloyd. Thank you for the music, Yusu Kim. Uh, thank you for the equipment, Joy Divine, and thank you to to Chad Briggs and James Patterson for letting us record in the home that I share with them. Thank you to Pantheon Podcast for hosting us. Thank you again, John. Uh, hashtag induct the monkeys. Hell yeah. <laughs> you know, at the at the very end is a little a little offering because uh, we're polite to our guests. We are. Uh, I'm Joe Quazala. I'm Kristen Sutter. Who cares? About the rock hall. Hi, I'm Shanti. And I'm Lynx, and we are the hosts of the podcast Muses. Our show is dedicated to celebrating the lives and stories of legendary music muses and groupies. We are the girls who bring you the stories of those mega conduits of inspiration, the divine spirits who influence the style, career, and lives of your favorite rock stars from every decade and genre of music. So how do we bring you these stories? We share them in a wide range of ways, from recounting their memoirs to interviewing the women themselves. You'll also hear about the photographers, journalists, and backstage movers and shakers who all played significant roles in rock and roll history. Some past interviews include Jenny Boyd, 
Yes, sister to Patty Boyd, which makes her the sister-in-law to George Harrison and Eric Clapton. Oh, and she was also married to Mick Fleetwood of Fleetwood Mac. We also spoke with Joe Wood, wife to Ronnie Wood of the Rolling Stones for 30 years. With over 100 episodes, there's a little something for everyone. Turns out you can always get what you want. And because we're proud groupies ourselves, from time to time, we'll bring you an interview with some of our favorite bands. Join us on Muses for your bi-weekly dose of inspiration. Find us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Peace, love, and rock and roll. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.